Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Established 2019. Direct from the North Wales coast. His verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! It's episode 31 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, and my guest this week is NWA Powers lead play by play man, commentator Joe Galley. Joe's been around the business for many, many years, as you'll get to hear. He earned his stripes over with Dave Marquez at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Championship Wrestling from Arizona. He really crafted his style there. We see him every week now on NWA Power. It was an absolute pleasure getting him on. Joe is an Emmy Award winning news reporter. He's based out in Texas. He's worked other areas in California. You'll get to hear about that. It was an absolute honour and a privilege getting him on. I'm a big fan of Joe's. I like the commentators in wrestling. It's not just about the wrestlers for me. So it was an absolute, just an honour to have him on. So here we are, episode 31 with NWA Power's Joe Galley. Enjoy. A warm welcome to my guest. All the way from the US of A, it's Endergrey Powers, commentator, interviewer, extraordinaire, Joe Galley. How's it going, Joe? Hey, Stu. Great to talk to you. I'm used to talking to guys named Stu with British accents, so this is working <laughs> out pretty well for me. I like this. We love, we love Mr. Bennett. <laughs> I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting him, so yeah. And, uh, you're a great, a you're a great tandem, you two. You know, it's really weird. Like, you know, when he first came on, I was a little, like, hesitant because you never know how the chemistry is going to work. And you need to have good chemistry if you're going to be a good commentating team. And, you know, I'd, I'd never met Stu. You know, obviously, I was a fan of his. I'd, I'd seen him on TV for years. And then he shows up and, boy, works super hard, does lots of research, super jovial, quick on his feet. And we had immediate chemistry, like right off the bat. And uh, he's, he's one of the best commentary partners I've ever had in this business. That's cool. Joe, before we get into wrestling talk, how is, I know it's a bit of a cliched 
sentence to ask. How's it been during lockdown for yourself? Well, I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever been busier in my life. Um, you know, being a, a broadcast journalist out here in, in San Antonio, Texas, I've been covering uh, the COVID-19 crisis from really a lot earlier on than a lot of other American journalists have because we had situations here where we had a lot of the people who were coming from China and from the cruise ships that were being taken to uh, air bases here in San Antonio. So I've been reporting on this probably a lot longer than a lot of other local American journalists have. So it's basically been nonstop since then. And it's only really been this past week that we started to really branch out and cover other more traditional you know, news situations that we've, we've been having here. And it's basically been nonstop doing that. Uh, the good part, I, if you could say that is, you know, I, I, I'm one of the fortunate people that a still has a job, uh, and B has a job that doesn't require me to stay in my living room all day. Um, like I have to go out, I have to talk to people, I have to be in an environment, you know, and there's a risk to that, but I feel like I'm not in those categories of, where people, I don't have any pre-existing conditions. I'm a young guy. I, I, if I got it, I should be fine. I'll try not to get it as best you can by wearing a mask when you're outside and socially distancing. But um, as far as your psyche goes, because there's so many people out there that are just having so many problems right now because they're stuck in their house or they're, and they can't go anywhere, especially if you're in certain places like uh, my hometown of Los Angeles where I, my friends and family there, it's real rough. And they can't get out and they can't escape and they can't, go for a walk down the beach. And so me having an opportunity for those, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, putting in the work, doing what I still do and still being out in the world, I think has, has been an enormous benefit for me. So I feel like I'm getting out of it uh, pretty much ahead of a lot of other folks that are, that are in much more unfortunate situations. So I feel like I'm doing quite well. And then there's always the distractions that are uh, we're building in the NWA when we're making stuff like Carneyland yeah. and being able to turn those parts of my brain back on because, you know, there's, there's the reporter side that's constantly, this is very serious. This is what we're doing. It's both the time with both, you're, you're both telling stories, but it's a different paradigm in how it works. And so to be able to turn on that creative part of my brain that's wrestling and a little wacky and a little weird that's been really nice and refreshing as well. And so even as soon as we're done doing this interview, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot some more stuff that's going to be part of this Carney land. That's going to have a, more of that dynamic that you're seeing between myself in as a citizen of Carney land and the mystical, all powerful stew who can make me disappear whenever he wants. And that kind of <laughs> bothers me I don't like that. I feel like when I come back, I feel a little lighter. I feel like I'm missing things. I don't know if I have a pancreas anymore. It's freaking me out. <laughs> so I, the discussion I'll have to have with another British stew for sure. Yeah, man. It was really good the other night. I know, obviously, I'm sure you've heard a lot of a lot of positives, but yeah, I, uh, I stayed up over here to watch it for the premiere. Like, it was brilliant. Something different. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were, and you know, that's something that really Billy was really going for. We had no idea where this was going to go and it's constantly changing and evolving. And even, even the next episode that you'll see coming up uh, is, is going to be different than what you saw the first time. And I think that that's one thing that is, it's going to constantly be evolving, uh, which is good. So you never know what you're going to expect. And we have so many people out there that uh, want to be a part of it. And I'll tell you this, there is uh, the, uh, the original version of that episode of Carneyland, I'll give you a little insider information here. That was like more than 90 minutes long worth of material. Uh, and we had to cut it down, I think, A, to, to save time. 
uh, and B, you know, we can stretch it out over a longer period of time. So we already have a lot of stuff from some of our talent that you did not see featured in that episode of Carnyland that's in the back pocket and it's sort of evergreen and it's going to be incorporated more into some more Carnyland stuff. And then of course we got all the other things that are going on. Uh, Eli Drake show, hilarious. Who doesn't want to just talk to listen to Eli Drake talk? I mean, that's his whole, that's the whole gimmick is listen to him talk. Um, so that, that's fantastic. Uh, we've got girl power. That's going to be starting up sh- uh, with a show featuring all of our, our female talent, uh, inside the NWA that started off really great with a really good conversation between, uh, William Patrick Corgan and David Lagana. Our next episode is going to be, uh, Eddie Kingston and homicide. So I better watch my back. Don't want to get stabbed. It was the first time that, their whole gimmick was the first time I have ever heard a stab them up chant in a professional wrestling game. And I, which goes to show just how good they are, where people are advocating someone to get stabbed. <laughs> so, uh, cool. But yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. Monday, Monday to Friday, isn't it? All the different content. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. All that different. Yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. And I mean, you want to follow Carnyland on on uh, all of those social media pro uh, profiles, uh, our Twitter, our Instagram. There'll actually be a lot of stuff that's going to be specific for different uh accounts and different platforms uh which a lot of places do and stuff i mean almost every every organization that creates media does that too like our television station makes a specific instagram newscast and we do things for snapchat and uh you put things on facebook and it's all different than what you would see as to what's on television it could all be the same source material but it'll be very different and so you can expect to see some really good stuff uh coming up on all those as well I want to scoot back quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. When did you first start watching wrestling? Uh, like most folks, uh, I was I was a kid, um, you know, sitting there in the living room watching a TV that was made more of wood than of metal and plastic, you know, uh, real old school. Uh, watching really uh, uh, Friday Night SmackDown was really the, the first really introduction to it when it came to uh, UPN which is an over-the-air station in California, or I guess it was over the air. It was over the air throughout the United States. And so that's where I really began to watch it. And then I began to make friends with people in high school who were also into wrestling. And that's when I started to be able to like go to their places where they would have a parent who was willing to buy the pay-per-view or they had cable and so I could watch Raw. So then that's when I really started to kind of get immersed into it then. And, um, you know, it's that story that everybody, you, you start watching it and all those characters, especially at the time you're watching it, you got, you know, Hulk Hogan and all this other sort of stuff. And it's this immediate magnet for a young boy who wants to go and get all the action figures and stuff like that. So, and I was, especially in high school, our, my circle of friends were, were very, very much into pro wrestling. And my closest friends are, we all managed to somehow make a living in the business. Um, so it was kind of amazing that we were able to go ahead and continue on. Uh, well into our adulthood with this passion that we have for this sort of stuff. So uh, it, it, I got hooked early. Um, I'm not as, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm probably not as devoted as a lot of folks are. I mean, I don't have the retention memory for, oh, I remember this WrestleMania, this is the match, and this is how it happened. I, I, it's just, there's there's no room on, on this processor for that sort of stuff. But I did love the the pageantry and the storylines and all that sort of stuff. And that's what really drew me in as a young child. And then eventually it drew me in to go and work in the ring by the age of like 21. 
when I started to go to a wrestling school, which was literally the first athletic thing I'd ever done in my life. I was primarily, you know, I was working in the school newspaper or I was uh, doing uh, technical direction for the theater in, in school. I'd never done any sports or anything like that. And so the way I was described when I first showed up on my first day for, for wrestling training at the, at the pit in Van Nuys, which, which no longer exists, um, was I was doughy. <laughs> Who's this doughy kid? I had spindly, skinny little arms and no definition in my midsection at all and really had no business being a, a, a pro wrestler. And then, uh, but I, I just, something clicked in my head that this is what I wanted to do. And I worked really, really, really hard. And I got some muscle definition for <laughs> for the effort that I put in. And I worked shows for about six years as a worker, um, mostly in the LA area, um, other parts of California. When I moved out to the Midwest, I did a few shows in Michigan and Ohio, and then eventually in Pennsylvania and stuff like that. But I kind of took a, that, that took a backseat to my job in, in broadcast news because one was paying the bills and one wasn't, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And so I, but I always tried to bring that, wrestling persona and try to introduce it as much as I can when I'm doing television news. Because if you're doing lighthearted stuff, if you're the morning reporter and you're waking up and you're doing something like you're at the carnival or something, you can let loose and then open up that part of the personality and let that shine through. And I feel like I really excel at that at the same time of like also being able to turn the corner and, you know, there's a triple homicide and you need to stand in front of that and give the details and tell people what's going on there too. But to be able to have this knowledge and this background of all the stuff that I learned doing professional wrestling, I really one hand really washes the other is what I like to say is like, you got your wrestling hand and your news hand and it kind of does this all the time and it just kind of shares and, you know, washing your hands is so important now. It really does make it for a decent metaphor since everyone talks about that now. So. Which, which characters did you find larger than life when you were watching it? I was really, I, I was always drawn to most of the things that had to do with uh, magic and mysticism and control over the elements. So you've got the Undertaker and Kane were like my top two big things. Like you got this guy who could come out there and with the wave of his arms, the whole ring explodes. And it's like, so he has this magical ability to do this. The Undertaker somehow can shoot lightning inside an arena with a roof over it. How does he do that? You know, and it's, so it was those sorts of characters, Mick Foley, all of his versions of those. And of course you get drawn to, to, to the other big stars at the time too. You know, uh, I think as unfortunate of a story of the, the end of his life, a big influence for me was Chris Benoit. I mean, he was such, he was such a presence in that ring. You know, he was one of those guys, you know, who would be told, you know, you're too short. You can't do this. You got a weird look. You're not going to be a top guy. He made himself a top guy. And so there's a lot of respect for those types of guys. You're Chris Jericho's, which it's still wonderful to think. And Le Champion still out there, still doing his thing. And he's been able to have this a monumental career that you can follow for decades because he was able and willing to change the And that's, that's the biggest thing that you have to be able to do in this business is have a willingness and an opportunity for change and for evolution. And that's, what's going to continue on and allow you to keep doing what you love because you need to be, it can't be the same thing all the time. At some point that gets old or it gets impossible to do or impossible to believe. So you need to be able to evolve with it. And so that's sort of been, 
how my career has gone is I realized I probably don't have the physical dedication for my life to put into something to be a top guy in a wrestling thing, but I'm really good at talking and I'm good at the storytelling and I understand how, and I understand pro wrestling very well. So how can I still be a part of this world? And that's how it kind of moved me into doing commentary first over at championship wrestling from Hollywood, Dave Marquez's show. And then I was also doing his championship wrestling from Arizona which, by the way, I will continue to plug for the rest of my life. That show is fantastic. They do a lot of weird, wacky stuff over there. And I love the storylines there. I love all the guys that work there. So if you have Fight TV as an, on your thing, it's free. And feel free to watch any of Championship Wrestling from Arizona. Actually, they're playing older clips now, so you'll actually hear my voice on a lot of the stuff because I was there for about two years to do that. And then it eventually moved over to working with uh, the NWA. So mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride. and It's still going. I had um, I had Mr. Morals on yesterday for an interview from uh, Arizona, just as you know, just to keep it in the championship wrestling circle there. So yeah, that was cool. I've got a bunch of stories. Me and Ryan go way, way back. I mean, we're, um, especially you know, a lot of good memories in LA. A lot of good memories, especially in Arizona. I mean, talk about the evolution of gimmicks for folks that don't know and to see that how he has been able to get all of these crazy characters and put them on, on championship wrestling from Arizona and how great it was that he could in a flip of a switch could get the crowd that hating him with a fiery passion to absolutely loving him. I mean, I, that's, that is a talent in itself that I think a lot of people don't understand is if you can be able to find a way where you can immediately transition from being a face or a heel and people buy it and people and they're along for the ride and there's no wasn't he a bad guy like five minutes ago like why should i be cheering for him there's like none of that there like that's an amazing talent to have and he has that in space obviously you've like touched upon championship wrestling how did you foray begin into the announcing commentary side of the business that was going to be my question Oh, well, I got lucky, um, and I, I hit it the right time. Uh, I had moved from the Midwest to Palm Springs, California, which um, is about an hour and a half away from Los Angeles, and uh, my best friend, uh, Brandon Taylor, who currently wrestles as Robert Baines, was wrestling as the hobo at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, where he was the Hollywood Heritage Champion. And he told me, hey, you should come on down to the show. It was like, it was a three hour drive, which isn't bad in wrestling terms here in the States for sure. And just see what's up. And I got there. And the first day I was there, I I talked to Dave and they let me do some backstage interviews and stuff. It was great. And at the time, Todd Kennelly was their lead play-by-play guy with, um, with, um, oh my God, Johnny LaQuasto, Mm -hmm. who became known as John Quasto and is back to being Johnny LaQuasto uh, and Stu Stone. Stu Stone, another great Stu. Uh, <laughs> very Canadian and very Jewish, but boy, what a great color commentator he is. And um, Todd Kennelly had gotten a job with Impact to go and do their play-by-play. So he was on his way out. And so I basically kind of auditioned for the job and I got it. Uh, so I was there, I was backstage for the red carpet rumble, which is their big show, uh, their version of the Royal rumble. And, uh, the next day he was gone and I was sitting in the seat or the next taping, I should say he was gone and I was sitting in a seat and I'm here with Johnny LaQuasto and 
And uh, I think that at the beginning, I feel Johnny LaCosta felt like I kind of stole his thunder. I feel like he wanted to have that sort of lead seat. But I feel like at the same point, like it found a, at least the brass at the time thought he'd be a better color guy, which I think he was. He's a stand-up comedian. He's very funny and he can bounce back and forth. And we built up a very good chemistry and I, I can call matches all day with Johnny LaCosta now. I mean, we did uh, like hundreds of episodes between Arizona and, and, uh, and Hollywood. Uh, and to see him have so much success and make it to, you know, WWE and I'm listening to his voice when he's calling the 205 Live and uh, main event, um, it, it, it's great. And I hope that once all this stuff blows over, he can get back to doing that. So and I think that that's really the goal is they had so many people there. They had to let so many people go, um, which is understandable. That's happening with pretty much every industry out there. But once things kind of reset, I mean, the guy's super talented and there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to go right back into that spot when they start making that television again. That's cool. That's cool. Who was on hand to help you in your early career with the announcing? Who, who were some of the guys that were really, really helpful? Guy um, Dave Mar guy Dave, Dave, yeah, uh, Dave Marquez for sure. I mean, uh, I have to owe, I owe so much to him. Uh, as and I, I feel like if you listen to him do commentary on a match, or you listen to me, you're going to see a lot of similarities. And I think that's because we kind of both followed like the Gordon Soley path of professional wrestling, which you know I wasn't intentional for me. It was more like I'm doing, you know, I'm following Marquez's path, and that was his path. And then later on, I kind of realized that that's what we were both kind of doing, and. Um, so it's sort of that style with a little bit difference with me and because everybody's different. You put yourself into it. So definitely him. And I have to always go back to uh, when I was a worker, when I was training to be a worker, uh, our, one of my lead trainers and good friends, Ryan Katz, who works in operations with NXT now, uh, he taught me so much about how to talk and how to have that presence and, and how to get over on a promo and how to be a character. And, and you could see that with the guys that he's trained, um, that the vast majority of them can go out and they can, they can talk, uh, just through the coaching that he gave and the ideas that came from his head. And so I owe a lot of credit to, to Ryan Katz. I owe a lot of credit to Dave Marquez. Um, and you know, and then just having my personal experiences in broadcast as well, being able to draw from that. So I feel like those are probably the, the two top guys that really helped influence me and helped coach me. And then, of course, everybody along the way that's helped shape me that way. I mean, every person that I've worked with, especially folks that I've sat down and done commentary with, even if it's like one-off sort of opportunities with certain people. Like I didn't do it too much with Stu Stone, but I learned a lot from Stu Stone. There's a guy named Eddie Firth who filled in on Hollywood and also was a rep there for a while. I learned a lot from him. And, and then of course, when you started going and I started working with Jim Cornette, I mean, talk about a guy who's going to give you a lot of good pointers on how to be a good, you know, broadcaster. Here's this guy who's been doing it forever. And, um, you know, as controversial as a figure as he is, the guy knows wrestling and the guy knows television and you're going to listen to what he has to say. Um, and then on top of that, just getting those notes from Dave Lagana and William Patrick Corgan as to what they want and what we're doing and all that sort of stuff. Like it, everybody contributes to it and everybody kind of adds that to it. And it's, and that's, what's great about this business is you get to learn so much from so many different people. 
And because everybody's so different, everybody has so much different experiences. But at the end of the day, we all have one goal. And that goal is to present good television that you don't want to change the channel or push pause or do something else. And, and that's what we do. And we have a passion for it. And it, it, it kind of works out that way. When were you approached by Billy Corgan to join the NWA, Joe? When did that? Uh, when was the time frame? When did that occur? You could see it actually. Um, if you go on the NWA uh, YouTube channel and you go to the Ten Pounds of Gold series, and you go all the way to the very beginning, where Tim Storm is the champion, and the first match I think in that series uh, is at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and it's Tim Storm. And he's wrestling, I believe, Zicky Dice. And it is a very, very different Zicky Dice than the Zicky Dice you see today. Mm. It's a much heavier Zicky Dice, a bit, sort of different character. And Zicky has gotten so good, so good, and put in so much work. I love that man. And I cannot wait for all the crazy stuff that you're going to see from him in Carneyland. But that aside, um, it was that match. And then so, and Lagan has told me this story because obviously I was there calling the match. But I'm calling the match. And he's in the back with Marquez and well, and Billy, Billy Corgan. And Billy goes, that's our guy. That's the voice. That's what I want to hear. And they pulled me aside after that taping. And at the time, I, I kind of kept my distance. Um, Billy Corgan being the celebrity who he is. And I have listened to his music throughout my entire childhood at that point. Uh, it was really big in Southern California on our alternative radio stations there. And I think I own like two or three Smashing Pumpkins albums already. So it's like, you know, oh my God, it's Billy Corgan. But they pulled me aside and they're like, we have plans. We want you to be a part of the National Wrestling Alliance. We don't know what that's exactly going to mean, but we want to know if you're in. And I said, yes. And I've been in ever since. Uh, so I'm one of the original people that's part of this new form, the, the Corgan era of the National Wrestling Alliance when they started and they picked up Tim Storm and they knew they were going to do stuff with Nick Aldis. And so like I'm on the first 10 people that's formed this new thing, this new company, this new, this new NWA. Um, and we just didn't know at the time that it was going to become NWA power. We didn't know at the time that they were going to do big pay-per-views. Like that was the hope, but there was no framework yet. There was no idea as to how far it was going to go. But I just said, yeah, sign me up. And so I've just been a part of it ever since. And they, my phone keeps ringing and they're like, hey, we got another show. Hey, we got this thing. Hey, we need you to shoot some Carneyland stuff. And it's like, here we go. Let's do it. So it, and it's been a wild ride. It's, it's, it's surpassed all my expectations. You get, when you work in the professional wrestling industry long enough, especially on the indie side, you get used to disappointment. <laughs> There's a lot of bad stuff that happens out there. And you'll see that more when we do more Carneyland stuff and you get all these great tales that Nick Aldis will share and other people will share. You get used to things either not panning out, not working out, people ducking out, people ghosting, things closing. It happens. Um, but this has survived and it's thrived and it's continuing to do so even in this crisis. And I think that kind of just shows the level of, uh, the level of talent that we have here at our NWA roster to be able to go ahead and say, you know what, we're not going to do the thing where we're going to endanger anyone, but at the same point, we're going to make something that's going to be different. Something people will talk about something that's interesting and, and we will continue on until we can go back to doing what we really, really want to do. And that's wrestle in front of a crowd it's slotted in perfectly the show 
there was a gap. There, there was a gap there. I've always thought, and it just goes to show. Absolutely, absolutely. Which guys within power do you think are going to really rise to the top? Maybe who haven't quite got there yet. Which guys should we have our eyes on, Joe? In your every 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 one of our wrestlers, I feel is a is a top guy. Whether it's in the men's division or our women's division or whatever, uh, and I think that that kind of shows that how good of our roster is. And it's hard to pick a certain individual. Uh, I think what I would have said last week would have been Ricky Starks, but you know, a he was a former television champion already so he's not really an up-and-comer at that point and b he's no longer with the nwa but you know never say never when we start things back up we might go ahead and he might decide to kind of come back into the fold uh but you know we had so many good so much good talent there it's hard to pick certain individuals and i think because we have such this array of uh super seasoned talent that you see and then you've got some other people that folks might not have been super aware of uh, that have just kind of exploded in their own right. And um, so it's really hard. And I, I don't, especially with the way things are evolving, and I don't know where power is going to be or when we're going to be able to do it and who's going to be willing to do it or who might sign to another deal. It's hard for me to pick somebody who's going to be that next big star because I feel like everybody in that roster is a big star and in their own right and in the role that they have. And then if you take a look at it, guys that we never anticipated to be big stars, like the question mark. Whoever thought the question mark was going to be a big thing? <laughs> yeah. And it exploded. And I, yeah. I feel like you've you got to give a lot of credit to, to Dave and Billy and everyone else who came around to, to create that character. But you also um, – boy, Aaron Stevens, I mean, just being able to have that whole paradigm here where they have that student teacher and that relationship and everything that's with it. It's fantastic. And I tell you, I can't wait to get back to it and to see where we're at and to see where we're going to go and to see who's going to want to be a part of it too. And I think you heard it in our inside the NWA that the door is open for a lot of talent out there that might've lost their, jobs at certain other companies uh if they want to come play with us uh the door is open especially for those talented people and william patrick corgan you know gave a big shout out to ec3 and boy oh boy would i love could you imagine a good ec3 versus eli drake that, that's a money match that's, that's the one match. the very uh the very uh, what's the word i'm looking for it both are very braggadocious they're good on the mic it's yeah but i'm with you on that one that'd be great I'm with you on that one, Joe, 100%. Now, I know you've touched upon your relationship with Stu Bennett, but maybe just go into a little bit more depth. How, how has it been doing the announcing with Stu? You know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I don't get starstruck very often, and, and I did for like half a second, like when I initially heard the news, like, oh, this is going to be your guy. I was like, what? And it's like, oh, that's super dope. But then you go and you meet him and he's so chill and he's like so welcoming and, and we lean on each other so much and we really become a good team. What you don't see is the, as a commentator, the amount of work that has to happen weeks before the show, days before the show, right before the show, and then also during the show. There's a lot of moving parts that isn't just, 
us talking into a microphone. And you can really tell that difference when you watch certain other promotions out there where they don't have the prep and they just throw someone out onto it. And I'll say I'm guilty of that too, because I've worked other promotions where basically it was, do you just want to show up and call stuff? Yeah. And then I'll show up and all right, well, go call it. And you just call out whatever's happening. But when you're making a television show with storylines, that's important. And we're building to something. There's a lot of work that's involved with it. And Stu Bennett works incredibly hard. He does his research. He's very, very smart and super welcoming to everybody that's there. And he also is very uh, open with giving his advice. I mean, he's been in the business for so long. He's been in very high profile situations. So there's a lot that's there um, and he's able to share that. And I feel like, you know, he had not done commentary really that much, if at all, before NWA Power. So it was, he was asking me a lot of questions on stuff and how we're going to do things and how we're going to pass back and forth and all kinds of other stuff. But he's one of those guys that I feel like he once, once he's found something that he's going to do and he turns that switch on, he's at it 110%. And it's, it's been great. And, you know, it, it's nice that I, you know, we, we have conversations uh, through, you know, our Twitter DMs and stuff like that about stuff that's going on. Cause we have to have those conversations when we're doing Carneyland stuff like that. And uh, he's just a great guy. And, you know, and, uh, and I, I love, I really, really am looking forward to, to sitting next to him very soon, hopefully, and being able to call wrestling again. The perfect match, pardon the pun, that's what I'd say. Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. This is Bill Apter. And in my book, titled Is Wrestling Fixed? I Didn't Know It Was Broken, you can find out all the backstage stories. What is Vince McMahon really like? What's Triple H really like? How about my relationship through the years with Ric Flair, The American Dream, Jerry the King Lawler, and much more? Go right now to Amazon.com or any place you buy your books and look for Is Wrestling Fixed? I Didn't Know It Was Broken by Bill Apter. See you at the matches. GTG, often imitated but never duplicated. You can't have brawl at the shoulder, narrow at the hip. No other promotion. Give us any lip. We the best of the best. The beast of the east. SOS, simply out of sight. GTG. When he said, good times go to What are your thoughts on WWE and AEW running shows? I know obviously it's been going on for a few months now, Joe. Uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, just to segue into that? You know, it's interesting because I, I, everybody's got different opinions on this. Um, I think WWE has an opportunity. You have this huge library of thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of great content that you can make and you can make interesting and you can repurpose and get side interviews. And you don't have to put people in a situation where they're either A, endangering themselves from getting this virus or B, making something that's very, very, very sterile. So I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, especially people who are very purist wrestlers, like actual, you know, wrestler wrestlers, not wrestling fans that say they, they don't mind it and they want to watch the wrestling and all that other sort of stuff. And, but for me, I feel like the, the crowd's important. It's part of the show. If you can't have it, it's difficult and you shouldn't try to like work it that way. So I see it from other sides too. I don't want anyone to ever have to lose their job. And 
when you have this sort of situation, there's a lot of people that are out of work right now in the wrestling industry. Uh, and there would be exponentially more if WWE and AEW said, we're going to put it on pause and we'll come back in August, or we're going to come back in November, or we're going to come back in 12 months. So you can't do that. Or you want to try to avoid doing that as much as possible. I think from a fan's perspective, and I've talked about this with, you know, some of my news coworkers who also happen to be wrestling fans. They were not AEW fans until they started watching it now and they compare it to what is happening with WWE. And I think the one real difference is, is AEW has 23 people outside of that ring making some sort of noise, making some sort of reaction. Now, there are problems with it. Like you, you have from a psychological standpoint, it doesn't make sense if Marco's stunt is getting stomped to death because he got blindsided uh, to not have the other baby faces who are on the other side of the rail not jump over the rail to try to save him. Like that doesn't make it. Why are you, are you a fan or are you work here? Like if you work here, then you should try to be saving your friend. Like it's, it, so there's a psychological thing where like that doesn't quite make sense. Um, but at the same point, I feel like it's, it's a slightly with that reaction there, it's better, you know? And, but that being said for what WWE is doing and the way that they're presenting it, they're doing what they want and they found a way to do it. And it's keeping people employed, employed, you know, the people that they're employing, uh, the, the vast majority of them are not in the dangerous category to where they're, they could die from COVID-19. And honestly, the WrestleMania was very interesting. The two-day WrestleMania thing, I, I was in it. I watched it both days, and I liked the show. So I'm really looking forward to the day when we can actually bring crowds in, and I hope that day does come back. Uh, you know, a lot of other sporting places are looking at, do we do holograms? Do we do mannequins? Where There was one soccer thing i think out of south korea where they use sex dolls that were filling up in the stands masks on them i saw that you know? joke yeah <laughs> so they're stretching for anything there but the, yeah. the crowd experience it's it's important it's important for all sports that are that are broadcast on television even a sport like golf if you watch golf there is a crowd that follows that golfer around that does the when they sink the putt you know it's it's there and people want to be a part of that experience too. Like there's nothing better than being a part of a show and being a part of an experience. Like I remember one of my first WWE shows, I think it was like hell in a cell at Staples center. Staples center was very, very new. And it was like super dope to be able to be at this pay-per-view. And I remember it and I bought a t-shirt and I was with all my buddies. And it's that that's a fond memory that I have of like, I went, I worked extra hard to buy this $65 nosebleed seat ticket to be a part of something. And I feel like that's something that a lot of fans are missing out of because I know there's so many people out there that just love to be at the show. And if you look at our NWA power and you look at the fans that come there, they are electric and they love being there and it shows and we love them being there. And, and I miss them. I miss that. I miss entertaining for that crowd, even though they don't, they're not even hearing what I'm saying. Uh, that's how, you know, if a match is bad, if the crowd can actually hear the commentator start talking, but uh, I, I just love that energy there. And, and I have a strong feeling that it'll, we'll, we'll get back to it at a certain point. So, and that's what I'm hopeful for. So that's the goal. That's the goal. 
Mm-hmm. For you for you working and obviously for us fans. So absolutely. Yeah. Which which wrestlers outside of the NWA are you tipping for superstar into the future, way into the future? Not that you not that I'm saying you're playing favourites, but is there any guys out there outside of NWA you really hot on at the moment who are going to be amazing in years to come? I, it, I'm just going to plug my friends. Uh, okay. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, I, I, I've known Peter Avalon for a very, very long time. Uh, and I called some of his biggest matches at Championship Wrestling Hollywood. He is now, as many of your fans probably know, is the librarian on AEW, which is a fantastic gimmick. Uh, and he has leaned so hard into that. Uh, with Leah Bates, and uh, it, it, I love Peter, and he is so good on the mic, and he's so smart when it comes to producing wrestling for television as well. And I think that's more than anything. I think that the, the intelligence, like he, the characters that he has portrayed, and the stuff that he's done, it, it makes him like, oh, I'm uh, kind of a goof, but he's very, very, very smart. And he knows what it takes to go and produce really good television. And you can see that at Championship Wrestling from Arizona, which he was an executive producer for and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I, it, Peter Avalon is a star in my heart and I, I want the best for him. And I, and I hope that at some point, you know, if he continues on this losing streak that they have him in the storyline of AEW, at some point there's going to be a big payoff and he's going to win. And I hope that big payoff is something where he wins something big and he's able to kind of carry that on and things like that. So I think that that's one star that I think a lot of people is, is a diamond in the rough that a lot of people probably wouldn't make a call on. That's, that's one that that's there. Um, And then you've got so many guys in WWE now that are, you know, making their way up and, you know, it's, it's hard to tell who's going to still be there, you know, in the next few weeks or a few months and how things are going to change. Um, but, and then there's guys like, like my best friend, Robert Baines, who is still continuing to work. I mean, he works for new Japan pro wrestling in their office at the LA dojo. He's traveling all over the, the, um, Southern California area. He's actually worked a couple of shows that have been able to somehow exist in, in the, during this crisis. Um, so I'm always going to be a proponent of him and making uh, the stuff that he's doing. Uh, and then you got a lot of other guys that I've worked with for a number of years that, you know, maybe we're given a brief spotlight and, uh, and haven't had an opportunity to get that, uh, Ryan Taylor or Russ Taylor, depending on what his name, what he's going by nowadays. I mean, he's a triple crown champion over, uh, in the United wrestling network as part of championship wrestling from Hollywood, but he's got everything it takes to be a superstar. He got, he's cut like a Greek God and he can move and he can talk and he can fight. And, uh, you know, it's one of those guys where I, I, he, I, he just needs that one big break. And I feel like he could be a, a star and a stud on any promotion anywhere. So that, that's a short list of, of people. That's cool. That's good. That's good. Now, Joe, I want to come away from wrestling. I want to talk sure. about your other job as a news reporter. You're sure. a Emmy winning news reporter, might I add. That's me. I did, mm-hmm. my, I did my research. I went outside the wrestling. Do you want me to get it? Hold on. Yeah, yeah, you may as well. Yeah, yeah. Get it, get it on screen, Joe. Absolutely. Mm. Show it off. There it is right here. My, my Becky with the good hair. Yeah, that's right there. It's got a good polish, though. It's got, some, yeah. it's, it's got some cat hair on it. So oh, that's all right. Oh, I should, probably should clean this up a little bit. 
can you can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your news reporting? Sure. Um, you know, I fell into broadcast journalism accidentally, to be honest with you. Uh, I was going to college for screenwriting, which is a terrible degree to get in the first place. But uh, the program at California State University Northridge, where I was for film, was really intense. And uh, I was working full time and I was also pursuing a career in pro wrestling at, full, at the time. And there just was no way I was going to be able to get it, uh, get it done and have a degree. So I uh, just changed majors to broadcast journalism because I thought, it, or I found out the schedule was easier and I could go to classes in the morning and then I could still go to work in the afternoon and then I could wrestle at night. And so I wasn't taking it seriously at all. And I made this ridiculous demo reel for a reporter job. And the first spot of it is uh, me doing a live report from inside a ring and brawling Bo Cooper, who's 310 pounds, picks me up on his shoulders and gives me a DVD. Um, and so I made this super over-the-top ridiculous demo reel, uh, not thinking that I would get a job. And uh, my professor at the time pulled me aside and he said, hey, we got this uh, consultant that's working for a station in Ohio and they want kind of a fun guy for the mornings. You want to send them your stuff? And I said, sure. And so I sent him my stuff and then I got the job. So it was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to Ohio now. Um, so, and it just, I just fell into it. And, uh, and I started doing wacky, goofy reports over there. You know, it's national pancake day. We're at the original pancake house, everybody. Let's see if we can make the biggest pancake on planet earth and all that. And I was doing like, you know, we're over a lot, a lot of food based things in the morning. Cause it was a morning show sort of thing. And then the leadership there changed and the, the call letters for that station are WNWO, which couldn't be anything better for a wrestling fan. It's like, now I'm in the NWO, what? (laughs) um, uh, It changed. We got new leadership and they decided they no longer wanted to have a fun morning show. And it's like, well, you need to be a reporter now or you need to get the F out. And I was like, well, I guess I'll be a reporter now. And so you just got to put your big boy pants on and then you just start working that craft. And and that's what I've been doing. And like, and uh, for the past 10 years and I've bounced around, I've, I've had, you know, jobs in Toledo, Ohio, the, Poconos of Pennsylvania, Palm Springs, and now I'm here in San Antonio. And it's a circuit that you see that's pretty common um, with television journalists in, in America is you'll bounce around from different markets to markets to markets to markets and stuff like that. So I'm here in San Antonio right now. Um, I, I would have liked the plan to go a, a little different where maybe I could step away from journalism and focus more full-time on pro wrestling. But that kind of got squashed with COVID like everybody else's plans. So very thankful that I still have this job and that I'm still able to do it and I do it well. And, um, you know, I've been able to cover some crazy things. There's some things that I've done that, you know, whether it's, whether it was president Obama visiting Palm Springs on multiple occasions and, you know, being there at the tarmac as he's coming down the thing or interviewing guys like Bernie Sanders or, um, uh, Steven Spielberg and a lot of other big people that I've uh, notable celebrities that I've been able to interview the years or covering very huge, huge stories. Um, I've covered, unfortunately, you know, that's part of the job is you're covering so many of these big tragedies, the, 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 um, Las Vegas mass shooting, San Bernardino mass shooting, El Paso, uh, the, all the fires when, um, California was completely on fire. That's how I won this, this lovely lady right here was covering that stuff and and all these other, you know, semi high profile cases, depending on where you're from. And, 
so it's been interesting. You know, I've had opportunities to talk to people and, and tell stories and in some parts um, make a difference. And that's the thing that you can do with wrestling and that you can do uh, with news is if you can make a difference in people's lives, I think that that's what's really important. Um, and in journalism, for sure, you can make like a definitive difference. You can make sure things are safer. You can make sure there's a better police presence. You can make sure that your tax dollars aren't being wasted on a bunch of BS that was behind closed doors. You can, you can do that with that thing. But also with wrestling, you can change lives by making lives better, by giving people something to cheer for, something to hope, something to, something to hold on to especially in times like these. And so it's, it's great that I've had this opportunity and, and I'm really blessed. You know, I get to get up every morning and, and live the dream. And whether that dream involves me sitting next to Stu, watching people punch each other in the face, or it involves me this, just this week, I traveled down to Corpus Christi because there was a terror attack at a naval station. And I have to tell that story. And so that people understand what's going on and what they need to do to protect themselves and protect their families. It's, you know, it's, it's rewarding or especially covering all the COVID stuff, all the things that you need to be able to, you know, communicate to people that what's important. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of BS out there and you need to be able to talk to the experts, get the real facts and deliver those to people who maybe they don't want to hear those facts and maybe they don't want to agree with those sorts of things, but you at least need to tell them so that they can protect themselves and they can protect their loved ones too. So, so that's really the reward from that is, is really being able to change and impact lives. What was going through your mind, obviously, going to the base at Corpus Christi prior to doing the news piece? What was going through your mind at that point? I thought I'd ask that. Uh, you know, um, what was going through my mind was, because I had two hours to think about it as we're getting there. I've covered, a, it, the sad thing is I've covered an awful lot of shootings and an awful lot of terror-related things in, in my time. Uh, and I think the biggest thing you need to do is is to wait till you have something concrete because there's lots of rumors. There's lots of conjecture. You'll find sources through social media and stuff like that. They'll have stuff, but you need to confirm stuff. And I thought it was sad. Um, and it's a sad state, especially when you start thinking that there was a, another terror attack at a different Naval station in Florida six months before. Um, so I'm thankful that uh, there was nobody who died other than the, the terrorist himself. Um, which was, you know, you, we cover these things so often and then there's so there's these huge casualty rates, uh, like, and that's the, that's the thing I was, I was really hoping for is like, just don't let a whole bunch of people be dead for no reason. Um, for it, 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 that, that's so sad. It's just brutal and covering that's hard. And then I knew that if there was that sort of casualty rate that I was probably going to have to stay in Corpus Christi for a week or two, you know, and to do those stories, to talk to those families that lost the loved one and all this other sort. So you're trying to think how it's all going to work out. And then to be relieved that, you know, there was one, you know, sailor who was had a minor injury. I think she got shot in the vest and uh, this guy who went off and did something terrible, um, you know, was, was neutralized as that's the way the Navy liked to use. That was a word that they constantly used. That was really the only frustrating part of my day was trying to figure out what does the word neutralize mean to these people? What does it mean that he was shot and killed? Does it mean that he was arrested? Does it mean he was injured? He's in the hospital. But at the end of the day, you come to find out that he was 
it was shot and killed. And then, and you know what, that's what you're going to get when you're trying to do something like that, especially in a naval base. So it's a sad thing in the world that we have to go and we have to cover these things, but they're going to happen. And someone's got to be on those front lines to be able to tell people those stories. And it might as well be me. And, um, you know, and it, it, it sucks to cover them. And I try to, you know, you try to make the best of it when you're there and realize that you're making television that a lot of people are going to watch too. I mean, that's the other thing too, is you can have days, especially now where people will tune out because whatever's happening, Trump said something, who cares? This sort of stuff's going on, who cares? But when you have something that's, that's big, you know, people are tuning in and that's when you're going to get people to, uh, to trust you. You have to come through and you have to give them the information and you have to uh, and tell it in a way that they're going to a understand and also be entertained. I mean, news is still needs to be entertaining because um, if it's not, they'll just change the channel. Um, so you have to find that balance when you're covering tragedies like that. But yeah, it's, it's never easy covering those big things, but um, it's, it's the job. It's the job. You got to do it. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. That was, you know, it's mm-hmm, quite a deep, deep subject matter, obviously. So I'm like, thank, yeah. you for, thank you for sharing your experience of that. What, of are, your, what are your tips uh, for budding broadcast journalists? I'll ask that lastly to close out. What are tips for broadcast yeah, journalists? Any, any budding okay. broadcast journalists, what, what tips? All right. Here, here. Okay. So I get a lot of people that we, we have a great internship program where I'm working. We'll get a lot of folks that are in college and they want to be broadcast journalists. And sometimes they have trouble when you hand them the mic and you tell them, tell me the story, you know, tell me the story, do the report, do pretend you're live on television and go. And a lot of people that that's the problem is just putting your foot on that gas pedal and getting going. It's getting into that first gear. And the solution that I learned in wrestling is what I tell to people who want to be in broadcast news. This is something that Ryan Katz taught me early on at the pit when we were learning how to do promos. And this is how he described it to me is how you can get going with a promo. And this is what he said to me. He said, Joe, have you ever had diarrhea? And I said, yeah, I've had diarrhea. It's the same thing, except it comes out of your mouth. It just has to go, just go, just get it out there and get on a roll and think while you're doing it. And that's, that's the thing is to get into that flow. So you have to just get into that verbal diarrhea of just here I am. This is what's happening. Who, what, when, where, how, and then, then you can get in and you build on it. And so everything's going to come with time, just like anything else. I mean, if you want to be, super strong, go there and do push-ups. You know, if you want to have a, a strong presence as a reporter or as a pro wrestler, anybody who's holding a microphone, do that in the mirror every day. Here's a good example. Here's a good example. Kobe Bryant, during his entire life, would shoot free throws for 45 minutes every single day. Every single day, shooting free throws for 45 minutes. That's how you get that good at shooting free throws. You have to do it every day. You have to be disciplined and you have to work at it. And so if you want to be a television news reporter, do a news report to yourself. Talk about it in the mirror. Even if it's something as mundane as, you know, you had a bad Tinder date last night, do it and try to tell that story. And you can do the same thing with pro wrestling as well. 
there's a, there, there are so many guys out there that I've talked to that have really said that it helps to sit in the mirror and you find something that looks like a microphone and you try to tell a story and you try to deliver it. And the, the benefit that we have right now is everybody has a phone with a camera on it and you can record it and you can critique yourself. You can show other people and be like, what do you think of this? And you refine and you refine and you refine and you work on it every single day. So like that would be my advice is to work on it every single day. And if anybody else who is seriously interested in getting us, particularly in broadcast, you need to make two big decisions in your life when you get started. Do you want to travel and work in a bunch of different markets and work in a bunch of different places and climb the ladder that way? Or do you not want to leave your hometown? If you don't want to leave your hometown, that's fine. You can stay in major markets, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, New York, find a station, find some place that you think that that's going to be a good home get an internship there and bust your ass to climb that ladder. And you can do it. If you work hard enough at it and you listen to people and you help and get coached by the folks that are there, you don't need to take the path I did where you travel all over this country and you owe a bunch of money to U-Haul to make your stuff move from apartment to apartment. So you can go that route. So it's just kind of deciding where you want to be in your life and what you want to do. And then just working at it and practicing practicing and listening to other people, you know, listen to people's advice. Sometimes it's going to be bad, but a lot of times it's probably going to be good, especially if you start to be really introspective on yourself. So, um, and I'll leave you with this and I'll leave you. I think that this is really what's, what's really important. Um, and we talk about it a lot in wrestling and especially for guys in the back, the guys who work hard and you're also, you got to be humble. You have to be humble. And you're going to realize that you're going to make mistakes and you have to learn from those mistakes. And it's the guys who work really hard and who are genuinely humble and honest with themselves. Those are the people who excel and do very, very, very well. Even if that's not your character in the ring, you could be outlandish Zicky Dice out in that presence. But when you're, when you're putting it all together and you're listening to what other people have to say, and you take that with humility and you understand what you're trying to do and you're listening to the truth of what, who you are, then you'll excel and, and you will succeed. And so those are my tips. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> Just the tip with Joe Galley. <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe. Hey-o. Joe, could you plug your social media handles for the viewers and listeners, please? Well, I just started a TikTok. That's pretty good. That's always fun, right? You got that TikTok? That's fun. I did some fun stuff with Thunder Rosa on that. And that's just my name, Joe Galley. It's G-A-L-L-I. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Galley News, um, which at some point I'd like to be able to change that news to just Joe Galley NWA, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't want to risk missing, like getting my blue check mark taken away. <laughs> you finally get that check mark and you're like, no, I never want to do anything to get this. Uh, and then the rest of the social media, Instagram's big. I usually use that a lot. And that's just my name, Joe Galley. And uh, you can find me there. And I think more importantly than that, instead of following me on social media, where you're going to see a bunch of stuff of like what's happening in San Antonio, which a lot of your fans probably don't care about. Uh, you want to follow the National Wrestling Alliance on Twitter at NWA. And you also want to follow Carneyland at NWA. And uh, you'll be able to see some pretty great content. And you'll see all the sneak previews. And you'll see the stuff that you're missing if you're not, part of the uh the patreon that we have set up there so just like everybody else we're trying to generate a little bit of revenue and give people something back 
so we have several different tiers with our Patreon to be a visitor, a citizen, or a member of the Carneyland City Council. So I, um, I uh, encourage people that if you watch Carneyland and you really enjoy it and you want to support the people on it, uh, particularly the, the wrestlers who are not wrestling, um, to go ahead and, and be a patron. You'll get a lot of good benefits out of it, and you'll be able to uh, help put food on the plates for a lot of people out there that uh, honestly need, eat a lot of protein. And they got to to stay swole. You know what I mean? So, so that, that's what I would, uh, the advice I'd give to people. A huge thank you to the Emmy Award winner. I'm going to start off by calling you the Emmy Award winner. That's it. I got to get a second one because I want to do a boomerang with me doing curls. And I can't just do the boomerang with the one. Like, I got to do the, <laughs> the, do, the two, like, just jock, just curls with it. So, that's my goal in television. I got to win one more of these, and then, uh, then I can leave. <laughs> Mr. Joe Galley, Emmy Award winner. And the star of NWA Power. Thank you very much for coming on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today. I appreciate yeah, you man. sparing the time, Joe. I know you've got a lot going on. So. Hey, man. I, thanks for having me on. And uh, all you fans out there, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. This week's intro and outro for the show is the Zangwills New Heights. You can check them out across all streaming platforms. You name it, they're on there, all their tracks. Give them a follow, give them a listen. Great band. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always. Superb, superb. Chris Dutton, thank you very much for editing once again. Appreciate it, buddy. And also to Lee, who does my website. Lee puts the stuff up on the website. Without you guys, I'd be screwed. So once again, as always, appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me. It means a lot, guys. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.